Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the only daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, with you all here on this Tuesday. And we got a lot to go over. The Pelicans just finished up a weekend, a couple of weekend games. I recapped those for you in yesterday's podcast, focusing mainly on the offense, the effect and the impact of the Rajon Rondo incident. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into what we can kind of glean from these two preseason games. We're going to talk about defense, how that's looked. I haven't talked about that really at all after that first game against the Chicago Bulls. Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Where are strong areas? Where are there concerns that we need to pay attention to as we gear up for the regular season and get into the regular season? Another topic we're going to cover today is offensive rebounding. You know, I, I've harped on this a little bit. I really do think there's more of a corollary between transition defense and offensive rebounding than others would like to talk uh, to say, and that's fine. And we heard Alvin Gentry say this team should go after more offensive boards after the loss to the Chicago Bulls in their opening preseason game. Have they gotten better at that? Have they gotten worse? How is it affecting the transition defense? We're going to look into that and more uh, when it comes to rebounding in this edition as well. And then I want to talk about pace. I mentioned it briefly that, you know, the Pelicans are playing with a faster pace in yesterday's podcast. Look at that a little bit more. We don't need to touch on that too much, but what, do we, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, playing with pace is a good thing. You can get more possessions per game, but you got to make the most of it. So is that coming back into it as well? Uh, so we're going to talk about that. I got some news to drop on you, which will probably come after one of the breaks here in this edition. So make sure you listen to this whole thing because that's some news that's not quite a big deal, and I'm going to be kind of vague about it, but you want to probably pay attention to, and you'll see more about that coming up very, very soon. So let's dive deep on the defense, and we're going to go kind of all over the place with this because I have a bunch of numbers we need to talk about and things to kind of examine here. And in that first preseason game against the Chicago Bulls, defense was really the issue. The offense looked good for the first half before kind of slogging, but it was the defense, and in particular, how many open three-point shots they were giving up. And the problem with that was they have solid defense to start out in some situations. I'm going to talk about in a second what isn't good. But they do have solid defense to start out. And then when someone drives to the rim, they're getting good coverage there, by the way. The rim protection has been very solid. Opponents are only putting up 36 points in the paint against the Pelicans in preseason. That's ninth best in the league. The problem is that after they take away that shot at the rim, it's an easy kick out because the secondary rotation is not going to cover for the first guy who moved. Coaches talk about defense on a string. You pull one way, you got to kind of move that way as well for other guys to cover the previous open man. 
And the Pelicans aren't doing that. That's the problem. That's where miscommunication is going on. That has to do a lot with, you know, court awareness, not as much basketball IQ, more awareness and communication, talking about it and just knowing what's going on. And then also caring to rotate over. Defense is as much just caring and wanting to put forth the effort as it is skill in the NBA. And right now the Pelicans aren't showing such a great job of trying to uh, handle that on the defensive side of the ball. But they are limiting the paint. They have the 12th best opponent field goal percentage. So they're taking away those shots at the rim. And while they're not blocking them, they are certainly altering those shots. And it's led them to having the 13th best defensive rating. And while 13 sounds pretty good, you know, it's not because a lot of this is going to be a bit of an illusion. And part of that is because they are allowing the second worst uh, amount of three-pointers attempted against them. They're giving up right now 36 and a half three-point attempts per game. That's a lot, like a lot. And some of that has to do with playing the Bulls, who are apparently new look and launching from three. Oklahoma City shot a number of threes as well with Carmelo Anthony and some of those other guys they have there. But that's a lot. And in today's modern NBA, where teams are very good at hitting threes, imagine a team like the Rockets, how they're going to feast on this team when they play in the regular season. 36 and a half attempts uh, the opponent taking is not good. The saving grace, and this is what's giving the Pelicans the 13th best defensive rating right now, is that opponents are only shooting 30.1% against them from deep over these three games. So teams are ripping a ton of threes. They're just not making them. The opponents are only making 11 threes against them per game right now. Imagine playing a good defensive team and what that's going to do. This is They're going to get lit up. It's going to be really, really ugly. It's just honestly that simple. They need to find a way to cover the perimeter more. This is a different defensive perimeter issue than they've had in the past. Last year, they finally kind of stopped dribble penetration and people driving by having uh, Solomon Hillam there able to take away some of those guys or at least slow them down. This year, it's after they take away those guys and then there's a kick out, there's an open shooter almost every time and teams are going to shoot it against the Pelicans. Part of this might be, might be by design that the Bulls aren't a very good three-point shooting team, so let them shoot away. You want them taking those bad shots that they're not great at hitting it. Problem is, open shots in the NBA, as long as you're not the Pelicans because they're terrible at those, you know, teams are going to hit. That's the big issue there. So you need to worry about this as we gear up towards the regular season, particularly with the second game being against Golden State. If you leave these guys open on the perimeter, and a lot of them can drive, and then create open shots on the perimeter for their amazing three-point shooters they have, this is going to be an ugly home opener if that's the case. There's another area that the defense has been lackluster in, and that's been on the pick-and-roll and the initial pick-and-roll. While they're good at containing drives, and when people get to the rim, they do a good job of taking that away, it's that initial pick-and-roll defense has been kind of bad at times. It's been okay at times, too. It hasn't looked great. Um, And a lot of this stems from lack of communication with Solomon Hill and the switching scheme. They knew if Solomon, if there's Solomon Hill there, you're switching. He's going to cover the other guy. There's been less switching this uh, preseason. They're still doing a ton of it, but less so than last season. And the issue with it is, I think, is these guys aren't sure if they should be switching or not. 
And you've seen this most with DeMarcus Cousins, the uncertainty of does he switch on to the other guy. And it's that momentary lack of uh, indecisiveness that's leading guys to get to the rim and also causing some havoc on the defense and people scoring. This team can be really good defensively still. Uh, But the problem is they're just not um, having the communication part down yet. And it's again, it's preseason. In the first game, they were particularly bad, and you're expecting them not to be good there. That's okay. Just keep carrying on because it is a bit of a concern. You know, teams thrive on the pick and roll. I can list you a number of teams in the Western Conference that are going to be doing it a ton. Most teams are built around this. And the Pelicans need to get good at defending this. They need to make sure they're all on the same page. Hopefully this week of practices they have coming up before the final preseason game in Memphis on Friday, they can get some of these kinks worked out. It's really the first time they're going to be able to practice um, since the weekend game. So finally, they'll be able to get back on the court together, really work through some things after the coaches have watched games film so we'll see if this improves you know we're not really going to see the starters much at least we don't think uh coming on friday so we're not really going to have an answer to this until we really see in the regular season and a couple of games in but it's a concern teams will tear you apart if they break down your defense through the pick and roll cousins needs to make sure he's on the same page with these other guys they need to know how to switch and again a lot of it's been effort they've been kind of lazy in preseason just casual swipes at the ball not really dialed in maybe that's preseason and it changes during the regular season once kind of that calendar flips to games actually mattering I don't know, though. That's a bit of a concern. We're certainly going to find out, though. So you guys have heard me mention it before. I'm going to mention it again. And after this, I'm going to drop some news on you guys in the vaguest possible way and try and be a little bit coy about this just because I kind of have to be. But I've been hammering this the past week. Definitely tune in to the Locked On NBA podcast. Tomorrow is the Pelicans preview that I give answering about six or seven questions that every team is talking about giving you just a preview of the season. You guys know the Pelicans stuff, but tune in, learn more about the rest of the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference. The Pelicans will be playing all of these teams, so you want to make sure you're up to date on everything. This is just a quick primer. Tune in, listen, know more about the league, be a smarter basketball fan, and you can do that by subscribing and listening to the Locked On NBA podcast. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. All right, so I teased it yesterday on Twitter. I'm going to tell you guys some things here. I'm going to tell you what I can tell you, which admittedly isn't much. But I've been asked about this a lot, and it's something that really matters to people, which I find a little bit odd, but okay, it doesn't matter. It's not me. Um, But I do know the Pelicans basically have a deal in place for a patch on their jersey. I cannot tell you who the sponsor is going to be. I think we should hear news in maybe under a week. Um, about that and the unveiling and everything with it. Maybe sooner if someone else breaks it. I'm not going to do that. I don't care to. Um, but basically, they have something in place. They should have a jersey sponsorship patch and be one of the teams that will have one this season. As you know, the NBA has allowed some advertising on the front of the jerseys. On I want to say it's like the left side. The left side of the jersey is a little kind of chest patch. It's like five inches big. I don't believe they're going to be 
on the jerseys that you buy in like the team store or anything like that. By the way, I checked out the team store the other day before the first game against the Chicago Bulls. There's some nice stuff in there. I'm not shilling for the Pelicans or telling you should go buy anything. But the merchandise is new and refreshed. Some of the shirts are absolutely terrible. I will those do it big shirts are awful. It looks like someone just took like a sticker and put it on these shirts with their their hashtag. And I just don't want to wear a shirt that says do it big and big like red block with white lettering on it. Anyway, so they will have patches on the jerseys next season. As far as I know right now, they're waiting to roll this out. But I believe everything is done. I've heard this from multiple people now. Um, So there should be some news coming on that side of things. I guess also I should probably plug myself now after dropping that piece of news on you. If you don't give me a follow, follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. Also, follow the podcast at LockedOnPels. You're going to see that Twitter handle be much more active in the near future. We're going to be launching something next week. Is going to be the first day. This coming Monday, uh, the 16th. We're going to have, kind of launch a new companion site to the podcast. Um, if you really want to check it out now, you can see it. It's LockedOnPelicans.com. But I have a great team of writers that I'm going to be working with to deliver you some of the best written content out there daily that's the big thing you're gonna yeah, just as this podcast is daily you're gonna see something pretty much on that site every single day might have some hiccups here or there as we launch this new site but certainly lockedonpelicans.com. uh make sure you're checking that out daily follow it on facebook like i said at locked on pels you and like it on facebook that's where some unique coverage gets put up that you don't get to see anywhere else i'm going to be doing some video and different things on there so just search locked on pelicans on facebook give it a like also subscribe on itunes to the podcast all of this makes a big difference in keeping the podcast free for you guys in five days a week a lot of sites have a paywall and different things don't have that here make sure you support us in just a quick little way that takes 30 seconds to do it and also last plug before going back to the team and on-court results and different things like that i want to mention i did the preview for the gambit weekly here in new orleans you can check it out in this week's edition of the gambit just pick it up it's free just go to a bar and grab one they're everywhere uh on page 21 uh you can see the pelicans preview i did kind of fun and very different they are an alt weekly so we got to have a little bit more fun with it some humor in there um so definitely pick it up. If you're not local, go to bestofneworleans.com. You can see it on there. You can flip through the digital edition of the latest issue, and it's out there. So definitely give it a look um, and pick up a physical edition if you can. All right, switching gears back to the team and things we've wanted to see. One of the areas after the opening game of the season Gentry said he wanted the team to improve on was offensive rebounding. And right now, their offensive rebounding numbers haven't been pretty great. So I don't know if they're really putting more of an emphasis on offensive rebounding or if it's just an area they're not good at. This is one of those weird things where it seems like they should go after offensive rebounds and trying to grab all of those, but they're really not, and they're not great at it. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're kind of bad. And it's just kind of this weird situation in general. So For the numbers that we have, and some of these aren't quite calculated from the first game, but they would absolutely make these numbers look worse right now. Uh, The Pelicans have a 17.8 offensive rebounding rate. So not high, not the worst in the league, but it ranks them 23rd. There's a couple other teams in there just from weird preseason games against teams from Shanghai um, and other in Melbourne and Israel. So they're not quite you know, 23rd worst. But when you look at it, you know, they're not good. They're probably right around like 19th. 
Um, and against Oklahoma City, they put up a total of six offensive rebounds, a 12.2 offensive rebounding percentage. So in the game after he said they wanted to improve, they really didn't. AD grabbed two of them, Boogie grabbed zero. This is where you're going to tell if these guys are going for offensive rebounds. Are they grabbing them or are these two bigs trying to get back in transition? And you can kind of just see who's grabbing the offensive rebounds. It tells you a lot. Partially the bigs, like I just said, but also you need to see some guards doing it as well. And if they're not, that shows you, again, they're not really going for offensive rebounds. It was better versus the Bulls the other night. They grabbed 24.4% of available offensive boards. They had 10 total. Davis, though, had six. Boogie, again, had zero. Holiday had one. Moore had one. Perry Jones, the third, had one. And Dante Cunningham had the other one for a total of four. That's not... Great. You need to see if you have the bigs boxing out to at least allow the guards to grab offensive rebounds. Well, they need to be getting more than one apiece. And we're not going to factor in Perry Jones, who only played, you know, in the fourth quarter when he wasn't with the starters. Dante grabbing one isn't good. Drew grabbing one isn't good. Moore grabbing one isn't good. Those guys need to see higher numbers. We need to see more people really chipping in. Davis has six, which by itself looks good. But those raw numbers are deceiving. Some of those were he missed a jumper, he got it right back, and then put it in. That's not crashing the boards and going for offensive rebounds. If you're right below the rim, you're not just going to shoot and then not look and run back on defense. You're going to stay up there and at least see if you can get it or maybe tip it back in. So of those six, I think it was like three or four were basically just little kind of putbacks like that. So really those numbers are a bit deceiving in the game against the Bulls. So obviously this team is not going for offensive rebounds. And maybe they should because, frankly, the offense hasn't looked very good at, in preseason since that first game. And they have moments, and we've talked about why. Again, losing Rondo's been very big for the Pelicans team. But their offensive rating right now is 23rd in the league um, of, like, 35 teams right now, of course. Um, and some of those other teams are worse behind him. I think all of the ones that aren't in the league are are behind him. So it shows you they're kind of still just 20, 23rd. It's really that easy. Uh, in this case, with an offensive rating of 94.2, not good. They need to be better than that. Uh, and this is concerning. You've seen the two bigs look really good, but everyone else at times Drew looks good. But some of those minutes and times he's looked good have come when he's not on the court with Davis or Cousins. And I, like I said yesterday, I really don't give a shit about that, as I swear here, because he's never really going to be playing without those guys. He needs to look good on the court with them. And he's struggled with that recently, especially when he's not playing alongside another guard that's going to handle some of the distribution and point guard duties. So... You know, it, you know when, you're, when you have a bad off, uh, offensive rebounding team, you're not getting those sometimes easy looks. And maybe that's leading to this bad offensive rating. And if they're going to struggle in kind of the half court and running this offense without a lead guard, maybe you need to crash the board some more. But while they haven't been crashing the boards particularly well, the, the transition defense has looked stunningly better compared to the first game. And it wasn't horrible in the first game, but it wasn't good. Now they've looked significantly better in that regard. So maybe they do go more hand-in-hand than people want to admit. This is still kind of a wait-and-see thing, like everything is in preseason. None of this is predictive. We're just analyzing what we've seen so far and are trying to maybe extrapolate a little bit from that if it's going to work during the season or not. But for the most part, this is just kind of looking at what it is. Preseason isn't exactly the most predictive thing, uh, but at the same time, it's what we have. And we got to go by what we have and what we've seen 
And what we have and what we've seen has been a mix of good and bad. And there are areas that are concerns. And what's interesting, though, is those areas of concerns were kind of predicted to be areas of concerns, which shows some validity to them during the preseason. Last thing I want to mention, and I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast as well, is their pace through the two games, which is all that we can really measure because these numbers aren't available for the first game against the Chicago Bulls. Um, and I'm going by the NBA.com slash stats page to look up pace and things like that because we don't know this off the top of our head. Their pace has been 104.84 this preseason. That's higher than the 100.1 or 0.9. I forget what it was last season. It's higher. Not a ton higher, but significantly higher. And basically, at times, they would have almost led the league in pace. Pace is high during the preseason because teams kind of have energy and they want to get out and run. And the Pelicans only rank 15th in pace, so right in the middle. There's none of the kind of fake NBA teams. Oh, there is one. The Shanghai Sharks are ahead of them. But that's only through one game. Uh, so these teams, you know, they're, they're still playing faster. Everyone's playing a little bit faster. So I don't think it's going to stay at 104.84 um, during the regular season. The biggest thing, though, that you want to kind of track from this, and again, we don't have the tracking data, which we will start to get, which is really, really insightful um, to these teams. And that's if, the, if they're making a lot of passes and different things like that. And we're not seeing that just yet from this team the assist numbers have looked much better than everything before um and i'm trying to look it up where they rank on uh, the assist percentage and you can see it there it is so of all of their field goal makes 66.7 of them have been assisted on that's 10th best right now really ninth best when you take out um maccabee uh from israel that's good that's very good. It shows they're passing the ball. More people are involved, particularly when they had Rondo in and when they had Ian Clark in the other night. So you can see they, they are sharing the ball. That's adding to some of the pace as well. One of the things I always talk about is not just pace in terms of how many possessions you're getting, but pace of the possession in the half court. Are you zipping passes around? I don't have a metric for it. It's kind of an eye test numbers combination, this weird amalgamation of like, you know it when you see it kind of thing. And the Pelicans do feel like they're playing with more pace in their possessions. They're zipping passes around. There's more off-ball movement. There's more cuts. So that's been good. And I think that does lead to a higher pace overall in terms of possessions per game. You're getting more quality looks. You're getting easier opportunities to score by cutting, getting a ball, and then immediately scoring and not resetting, not running through multiple uh, you know, sets and motions and different things. There's just more kind of hustle and flow, as Alvin Gentry said to this offense. Expect the pace to be higher than it was last season, though not by much. But really what you do with each possession matters more than simply having more of them. Something to keep an eye on, though. We covered a lot in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans, the defense, the good and bad of that. You know, again, we're not going to see much of anything that matters in the final preseason game. So really, it's going to come down to these first handful of games for the Pelicans if the defense looks better or doesn't or if this is reason to be concerned with Solomon Hill's injury. Then talked a little bit about the offensive rebounding issues and some of the pace and what we're seeing from their pace of possessions in the half court when they get the ball. There is more off-ball movement. That's the big thing. Those Chris Finch 
you know, concepts are slowly being integrated. In the next day or two, I said I'm going to talk about dribble handoffs, which is a phrase you're going to hear a lot about. And I want to dive into that, what it means, how it affects the Pelicans offense, and what to kind of take away and look for when it comes to things like that, because they are very interesting. And you're going to see these a lot more in the NBA this season and probably the future, future upcoming seasons than you would have had in the past. It's a very kind of in vogue concept right now and a good one. It creates some very good offense. So we'll talk more about that later in the week. But thank you all for listening today. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Um, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 